out for him, as you rightly point out. Yeah, for sure. And I think we'll just have to wait and see. Um, he also talked about the fact that they're going to rebuild in a way that the people of Maui would want, respecting traditional values there. That, that's another big concern we keep hearing. Are these developers going to come in and build resorts now? Is it going to still have its charm and be respectful to the local community? Uh, I think people there will feel good hearing uh, that commitment. So uh, we'll have to see how it plays out, Leland. Uh, looking forward to your show. All right. All right. Thanks for watching. I'm Brian Enton. For much more on President Biden's tour of the fire-ravaged Hawaii, uh, we go now to Leland Vittert with On Balance, which starts right now. On the program tonight, total reset. The White House tries to rebrand the vice president. During Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history throughout history. Is the timing proof of Democratic concerns about President Biden's age? Bad boys. Oh, oh you, you go, baby. You go, baby. You go. You go, buddy. Police in one Democratic-run city finally figured out how to stop street takeovers. Can law and order make a comeback? You cold, baby. You cold, baby. You cold like a mother, baby. You cold like a mother, baby. Education rethink, the new push to hold kids back when they can't read. It is about accountability. It's about raising the level of expectations. Can other states replicate the Mississippi miracle? The shirtless test. <sighs> Sun's out, guns out for one presidential candidate. The long history of presidents letting it all hang out. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, rarely does it not matter what a president says. And sadly enough, in one sense, after what we just saw, we might be at that point in Hawaii. Uh, in a way, what the president said or what he didn't say, how he acted, that will be dissected. But in a larger sense, there's never a second chance to make a first impression. There's never a second chance to show your instincts as commander-in-chief, to run to the danger or to run to help Americans who are in trouble, as those in Maui were almost two weeks ago. You don't get a second chance at that. And now it appears it was a little too late. And this isn't partisan between President Biden and President Bush or President Bush and President Obama. It was, of course, too late for President Bush when he gave a similar speech, as we just saw from President Biden, about Hurricane Katrina. For the rest of his presidency, Katrina defined President Bush. It, of course, was too late for Ted Cruz, who came home from Mexico during the Houston ice storm. It was too late. Showing up after mass media shaming, even by usually friendly media, doesn't count. Of course, Hawaii's governor didn't tell the president that during their visit. And as you can see, their walk through parts of the hardest hit areas in Maui. Coming to a disaster, of course, is important. But we are almost two weeks now into the Maui fires. We know that at least 114 people are dead. Only 27 have been identified. We can understand why, considering how hot that fire burned. Another 850 people are still missing. 
Rescue teams have searched 85% of the disaster site for 15% is still left to find more bodies. Again, there are still close to 1,000 people missing. Not only does Hawaii know that and remember the past two weeks, but the rest of the country does as well. It's very hard to forget a president who couldn't be bothered during his beach vacation. Can you come talk about Maui? Can you come talk about Maui, Mr. President? Today we heard the same story we've been hearing from the president during past natural disasters. And now he's directed someone to look into the massive missteps leading up to and during the immediate response to the fires. The fact that the sirens didn't go off, the inaction from officials at the local level when Hawaii Electric first warned of issues with the power lines, or the initial declaration that the fire was contained when it really wasn't. That's before the fire. Now you think about what's happened in the two weeks since the fire, and certainly in the, past, in the immediate 24 or 48 hours, there were massive screw-ups. Kanani Shuza is a Hawaii state representative and joins us. All right, um, let's put partisanship aside. There'll be time to get to the aftermath in a minute. We, we covered that. Does Hawaii right now, in a larger sense, Maui in particular, have what it needs in order to begin the rebuilding process and take care of the people who survived this? Absolutely not. You know, the residents of Maui, the residents of Lahaina who have been displaced, they need more than a $700 check and wondering when the government is actually going to step in and do the hard lift, the, the heavy lifting and the hard work for them. Um, the people on the ground have been handling this effort all on their own, you know, whether it's um, the water, bringing water supply um, to the people who don't have it and um, food, etc. The people on the ground, the native Hawaiians, the residents of Lahaina have been all coming together to do it themselves. All right. Uh, President listed off a number of things that FEMA and other rescuers have done. 75,000 liters of water, 10,000 blankets, 5,000 meals, on and on and on. Um, I'm wondering how much of this is fair to blame the president for the response. And it, he is the commander in chief. And when he pushes the panic button, uh, C-17s from, from Dover and from Fort Bragg and uh, from the West Coast take off with command centers and rescue teams. That didn't happen. Certainly didn't happen in the first 24 to 48 hours. Uh, but uh, how much of this was a state problem? And how much is it really fair to blame President Biden uh, for what happened? You know, I think that there has been incompetence at every level. It's the county level, it's the state level, and it's the federal level. And a lot of the initial response um, had to do with the county, the mayor, and at the state level with the governor. And so, you know, I think that the president, you know, has to take responsibility and accountability for the role that, you know, FEMA is playing and just the lack of resources at this point in time. But it really stemmed from a county and state issue. Hmm. Yeah, we, we did, to be fair, we did not hear any of the sort of politicking about climate change and, and that from President Biden. And obviously, considering there's still cadaver dogs out there searching, it's not really an appropriate time. But credit where credit's due that he, he talked about the people of Hawaii. What struck me, um, and I know you're a Republican, but I've talked to a lot of Democratic lawmakers. I've talked to a lot of residents from Maui. 
um, who all would seem to be people who would support President Biden. Obviously, uh, Hawaii is a very blue state. The criticism to me, as I as I listen to it, at least as a political reporter, doesn't seem to be political as much as it is just based on how things were handled. Yes, absolutely. You know, this response, this is a bipartisan concern. The fact that, you know, things just transpired in a way that is just so unfathomable unfathomable. And, you know, I think that at this point in time, you know, it's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's a concerned resident and citizen of the, the state of Hawaii. Um, it's it's an issue for everyone. And I think that we can all agree that this has not been handled properly. Yeah. And in another way, when you look at this um, and we see the devastation, you think it could be my town. It could be a tornado. It could be a flood. It could be a hurricane in my town. And you always want to think that the cavalry will come. Uh, as you pointed out, so many people who live there really realized that there was no cavalry. They were truly um, on their own. Thank you for being here um, with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll be thinking about all of you. Obviously, this is a long, long road. This is really the beginning, not anywhere, anywhere close to the end. We'll talk soon. Amid the Maui disaster, the PR disaster that we have laid out, of course, the Hunter Biden issues aren't going away either. The White House is trying to rebrand the vice president, Kamala Harris. Again, another rebranding. This is 4 or 5 or 6.0. From Politico, I can't get into people's heads. Kamala Harris tries to reshape her public image ahead of 2024. In an interview, the vice president addressed how she views the growing scrutiny she's under as Republicans use her as a boogeyman in 2024. The timing of this glowing piece from Politico says everything. Between relaxing at the beach during the Maui fires, another week on vacation that he'll come back to this afternoon or this evening when he returns, not to mention a terrible press conference Friday. Then on top of it, you add all of the Hunter Biden news and the special counsel investigation. It looks less and less like Mr. Biden will be on the ticket in 2024 or maybe at the very least. What we're seeing now is Democrats realizing that Mr. Biden is an exceptionally weak candidate. That's just a fact. And his continuing health problems and what we saw today during the speech and what we saw on Friday during the press conference. Coming up as we get into the election, that is going to shine an uncomfortable spotlight on the tickets number two. And we've been down this road a number of times. The vice president is, of course, a woman of many hats. She was the border czar, voting rights champion, COVID vaccine outreach specialist. She pivoted to workers' rights and the digital divide. Reasonable people can agree she failed pretty badly in all of those roles. Each time she tried to reinvent herself with the help of an advocacy media on the left. As you can see, she's now taken on other roles, like abortion and a couple of other things. But it hasn't worked. Her approval rating reflects how Americans feel. 41% say she's handling the job well compared to 56% who disapprove of her job as vice president. It's even worse than President Biden. Part of that could be tied to her, shall we say, and this is just something that's happened with Kamala Harris, her questionable comments over her tenure. During Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history throughout history. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Let, let us all be clear that the attack is misplaced. If the point of it 
is that we need leadership that is strong because we have a strong leader in the United States. That's an excellent answer. And uh, the question was, what is the job of the vice president? <laughs> Colby Hall is here, founding editor at Mediaite, America's premier website for the news about the news on balance, resident philosopher. All right, Colby, you're always a good fact check on me uh, or or gut check, I should say. Uh, am I being too cynical about the timing here? Um, no, I think you're spot on. I think you're being a little tough um, on Kamala Harris. I mean, she deserves to be treated uh, with great skepticism. Um, her poll numbers are down, but they're actually they used to be much, much worse. You know, I do think you're you're right on, though, when you say, you know, it's, it's all in the timing here. Um, President Joe Biden is sort of one sort of big fall away from kind of taking himself out of contention. And if the Biden administration, the White House, the DNC powers that be, were having a, a serious think about the viability of 2024, now would be that time. Um, you know, Biden's got a lot accomplished. Um, he's been strong for a weak president, as you say, in terms of getting stuff done. But this rebranding of Kamala Harris, um, you know, how many times do you have to do it before you realize that maybe it, it's not there? Well, you maybe realize the branding is is the problem, isn't the problem, right? That that right. the thing you're trying to sell is the problem. Look, and we all want our president to succeed when the when the president does well, regardless of party, and when the president is seen as a strong leader around the world, uh, that's good for all Americans. And you know, you want. Right. I don't know if you had a chance to see the what. Uh, President Biden's remarks were uh, just before the top of the hour, but it was clear he was having a very hard time. This was not a guy who was on his A game, showing showing the country that he he had command and control of the situation in Maui. But when we get on to the issue of of Kamala Harris, and you sort of alluded to this, right? Nothing nothing helps a a good product more than good advertising. Nothing hurts a bad product more than good advertising. Ron DeSantis has gotten a lesson. Um, in that, I think what you alluded to is the problem may not be with Kamala Harris, the advertising. Correct. Um, two things. I think you're right. The Biden speech was, you know, at best perfunctory. I do think that with both, you know, there's a fascinating thing that happens with first term administrations. The first two years of their first four years, they look like imposters because they're brand new. And that's not I mean, that happened with Biden and Harris, but that also happened with Trump and Obama and Bush. That's that thing that sort of happens. And the, the latter half, we're sort of more used to it. Kamala Harris really laid low in her second year because her reaction was so bad. And I don't think an advertising or branding or rebranding or relaunching is going to do anything. I think she's trying so hard to come across as authentic that she looks like someone that's trying really hard to come across as authentic. And it puts in stark relief. You know, there's a lot of concerns that if Biden is to fall ill or can't, you know, perform his duties as commander of chief, if he were to get reelected, is she the is she the right person there? So you know, the Democrats have kind of painted themselves into a corner here. They really there's not a deep bench, and I think that's why Gavin Newsom is kind of playing his cards just right, being just on the sidelines in case, you know, they want to put him in for a hail mary. Well, we, we have another edition of Newsom Watch on deck for tomorrow night. Uh, so <laughs> great, good. great tease there. Uh, time for a new segment. We're calling it Spot the Fake. And as a astute and shrewd observer of the media, you are the first contestant. We will start with two unlabeled headlines and you tell us which one is not real. Here's the first one. Quote, 
Dr. King is smiling. Atlanta takes center stage in the political trial of the century. Real or fake? You know, that feels almost fake because it's so stilted and far left. It's so stilted and far left that I'm going to guess that that is real. (laughs) All right. We'll, We'll get to the verdict in a second. Next one. Trump campaign worried there might not be enough indictments to meet all fundraising goals. Quote, frankly, we've got some pretty ambitious goals in the coming quarter, and we need several additional indictments about January 6th to really push us over the top. See, I'm, I'm being counterintuitive here because he, he basically, I think that that's fake only because Trump has said that he was one indictment away from being reelected. So that means a little bit too on the nose. And so I'm going to guess fake on that one. Just counterintuitive. All right. So, all right. Well, hey, look, your logic is playing out. Turns out the first article is a real piece from Politico. That way we got we got to hold we got to put Colby up so we can see the reaction. Real one, <laughs> the first one, the first. Yeah, there, there he is. All right. Original headline this morning before someone figured out it should probably be changed. So to be fair, they they did change it. Uh, The second article comes from, well, The Onion. They attributed the spoof quote to President Trump's senior advisor, Jason Miller. Of course, he didn't actually uh, say that. All right, Colby, uh, you're you're too good at this game. Yeah, you're too good at at this game. We got we got to find we got to find a better chump for next time. All right. uh, First week of uh, Spot the Fake is here. Hey, it's good to see you as always. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Leland. All right. Turns out dealing with street takeovers, you know, where big gangs of kids take over intersections and city streets. Well, it's pretty easy to deal with, as evidenced by this video shared with News Nation by ATL Uncensored. Comes from Atlanta over the weekend where you can see a truck doing donuts after that huge group took over the intersection. Then the Georgia State Patrol showed up. The treatment in Atlanta is very different than across America this summer and spring, where large groups literally took over intersections and mayhem occurred. Police in most of those cities are under orders to stand down, as you can see uh, by some of the video. It was absolutely wild. Obviously, none of those were where the Georgia State Patrol could show up. Former Detroit Police Chief Ralph Godby is with us now. Chief, it's good to see you. Uh, first of all, I feel like that guy in the video deserves a, a tryout as a play-by-play announcer on Cops. But um, you, think about, you think about this, and what it's striking to me is we put up the quad box of all of the other street takeovers. If the police in any one of those cities had done what that Georgia State Patrol officer had done, It'd be the cops, not the driver, who was in trouble. You know, Leland, unfortunately, there's a a modicum of truth to that. But the reality is the the, the citizens on the ground, and that's left or right, uh, they understand how dangerous this is. But, you know, what's old is new again. 
uh, street takeovers are not new. It's almost like a bad rerun of a a James Dean movie, except the stakes are so much higher now. Uh, But there is there are solutions. And I don't know how innovative uh, Atlanta has been in their enforcement. But there are two words or two phrases that they need to familiarize themselves with. Civil asset forfeiture and nuisance abatement. You start taking the cars and you hold them. Uh, if the person owns the car free and clear, uh, you take them through a civil asset forfeiture process. If they don't, then you put a lien on the uh, finance company. I guarantee you that'll slow that trend down quite a bit. Huh. I, I look at this video and it's shocking more people don't die, right? Because the, these cars are going yes. into people and, and on and on and on. I, I'm wondering why... There are so many police departments that take such a hands-off approach to this. Well, I think they're they're afraid of the liability because if you chase these persons, number one, without the police chasing them, they're doing absolutely idiotic things. <clears throat> I mean, they watch too much Fast and Furious. So now you engage them in a chase. You don't know what you're chasing them for. Arguably, you're chasing them possibly uh, for a civil infraction or a misdemeanor at best. Car gets out of control, plows over, somebody kills him. Now the police department is at fault. You know, I, I understand that. But is it time that we change the laws that the police departments are not at fault if they cha- chase people who are engaged <laughs> in criminal activity? I mean, I feel like the people in these street takeovers know that. It's why when the Georgia State Patrol showed up, they ran versus knowing that the that the Atlanta cops wouldn't even show up. I I can't help but feel like... What's more dangerous, the risk of a police chase or the risk to all these people from this behavior? I mean, it's six in one hand, a half a dozen in the other, Leland. But you're right. There's got to be a place we meet in the middle. And there are reasonable ways to enforce laws that are on the books, number one, but also take a little bit of the onus off of the police departments. Police departments have become so handcuffed through civil liability that they're afraid to chase and, and, and it really does a disservice to the quality of life of the citizens on the ground. Yeah, no question about that. Um, all right, uh, Chief, it's good to see you. Thank you very much. Tomorrow, Likewise. prosecutors. Yeah, tomorrow, prosecutors will announce whether they will charge a Michigan shopper who shot an armed robber seven times. And evidently, he is a pretty good shot. There he is. He managed to stop the robbery without putting down his case of beer. Evidently, it was Miller Lite, if you're interested. The shooter says he couldn't see what was in the robber's hand. We could see the fear on the clerk's face. That's when he pulled out his legally registered concealed pistol and shot. That was three weeks ago. The accused robber is a three-time felon facing possible life in prison. The prosecutor will announce his decision on charges and then join us tomorrow night. Vivek Ramaswamy is making, well, all sorts of waves on the Internet and, and not necessarily for his political views. Check out the clip. <sighs> Vivek shirtless for his debate prep Twitter post. Do we really need to see our leaders with so much bare skin? Uh, plus, COVID hysteria. Why so many are rooting for masks and boosters all over again. You Mm -hmm. might want to in certain situations. The new COVID variant 
And as you can tell, the media collectively cannot get enough of it. Case counts, vaccine mandates, and masking advice are all on the horizon. I'm not masking anymore. Should we? Should we? Well, if you're in a crowded indoor public space, you Mm -hmm. might want to in certain situations, particularly as we go into the fall winter season. Never mind the current numbers or small percentages of the pandemic, infinitesimal percentages of the pandemic. Never mind that even the World Health Organization says the global risk of a new variant is low. Of course, the World Health Organization is never wrong. And never mind that COVID is now, for almost everyone, not much worse than the common cold. That's a good thing. Never mind all that. The time for emergency is clearly here. And the White House doesn't want to let that go in any way. And they certainly don't want to let go of their pandemic powers, so they are reminding everybody this fall it is time for boosters. George Will is here, senior News Nation contributor and Pulitzer Prize winning columnist. Look, it may be a thing, it may not be a thing. I just don't get the excitement over it. This country has an insatiable appetite for hysteria. People always like a crisis. And some people, Leland, like being regimented. They like being told to put on a mask. I think it makes them feel social solidarity, the tingle of excitement that something scary is happening. Uh, Some people just don't feel alive unless they're scared. All right, fair enough, although there's a huge percentage of Americans who are not buying right now the the idea that that COVID is a thing, right? Percent of total population who are up to date with their COVID-19 vaccines. The total is 17% of Americans. How do we explain sort of this complete lack of respect, and I will go as far as to say by a large portion of the media and by our elected leaders, that being the president and his, his administration, a complete lack of respect for where the American people who are collectively smart are on this. This is partly a hangover from the pandemic when we got completely contradictory certitudes out of the CDC and other health officials about masking. Some said it's required. Some said it does no good at all. Some said it does harm. And as a result, we took the maximum position, when in doubt, wear a mask, and we put masks on toddlers for Pete's sake. The only good thing about COVID-19 was it really spared the children. Yeah. No, and we think about you make sort of the carousel of changing CDC advice. Don't need a mask. Vax don't need a mask. Everyone needs a booster. Wear a mask. Mask mandates for all. Boosters for some. If you get vaccinated, you can't get COVID. You know, so much turned me wrong. So people became overwhelmingly skeptical. I I may be more cynical than you are because I don't know why. Maybe I'm younger. I didn't get the the good Midwest genes that you did. But I think about that there you say that there's part of the American population that likes the the tinge of excitement and scariness and being told what to do. Is there a group, both in the media and in the government, that likes telling everybody, number one, what to do, and number two, kind of enjoys the powers of the pandemic? They could tell us where to be, where to go. Uh, You could change all parts of of normal American life at whim because it was an emergency. So the pandemic hits and the government says we must shut down the economy. So it shuts down the economy, and then it says, now we must spend $6 trillion to resuscitate the economy we suffocated. Now, that's a win-win for the political class. They gain all kinds of power, and they get to fund, in the name of pandemic relief, all kinds of nonsense that has nothing to do with the pandemic. 
Yeah, you kind of think the yeah, economic toll, $14 trillion. You think about the toll in schools, as you point out, the teachers union's got enormous power. I get the feeling they kind of miss it. They just like one more bite of the apple. There's always another apple to, to bite also. Remember, when, when they're not trying to scare us to death about COVID, they're scaring us to death about the planets on fire. Right. Yeah, no, that's sort of the next emergency. You can kind of hear some of the very similar talking points, especially after the Maui fires. We've heard, you know, if we don't change, you know, the climate and don't stop using fossil fuels, then there's no more. There's not even enough fire trucks. So there you go. All right, George, always a pleasure. To Good to see you as well. Vivek Ramaswamy posted something, well, you just got to see on Twitter. To, to be clear, the grunting was actually on the audio tape that he posted. We did not add that in post-production. Uh, Vivek uh, posted the video of himself shirtless doing, quote, debate prep. Images of shirtless presidents are nothing new. You can see them on your screen. Obama did it. Lyndon B. Johnson, Ford, Clinton, JFK, Reagan. Of course, JFK Jr.'s campaign video just a couple of months ago. (laughs) News Nation contributor Elizabeth Pran with (laughs) us now. Uh, How are are the... Are we live? (laughs) Sorry. Where were we? (laughs) All these shirtless men. Wow. You yeah. know, Leland, I just want to interrupt you here because I do represent quite a large voting block, right? I'm a yeah. married American woman. And listen, I'm happily married, and don't put it past me, all right? I'll window shop. I will. I'll window shop. <laughs> this is not the window shopping that I'm looking for. If you are running for president and you want to talk <laughs> dirty to moms, let's talk about inflation. Let's talk about immigration, all right? Like, let's talk about school reform. There's a myriad of things that we can talk about. If Ramaswamy wants to talk his tennis game, I mean, I'm listening because his footwork looks incredible. But you know what? He would look great with a T-shirt on. He would look great with a T-shirt on. (laughs) You got George Will to laugh, which is something I've never been able to do on set. So congratulations. George, are you with me on this? Are you with? Listen. Okay, am I wrong? Everybody wants to prove that they're more fit than Donald Trump and Mr. Joe Biden. Everyone on this planet is more fit than both of those men, and I say that respectfully. They are either the president or the former president. I respect them holding office. My unborn, never-existing child is more fit than both of those men. One of them is a little bit older than the other, and the other one drinks Diet Coke instead of water. That is all I have to... Um, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. George, any closing thoughts here? Get dressed. Yeah. Everybody, get dressed. Yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't quite understand sort of the, the point is, and we put up some pictures. You have this the historical perspective, yeah. right? Is there a difference between, say, Hillary and Bill Clinton on the beach, the famous stage photograph there, Gerald Ford, uh, this is Truman, uh, there's Lyndon Johnson. It's a little different than, well, I don't know, is it different than the shirtless photo of you playing tennis? Do you remember when Lyndon Johnson showed us the scar from his operation, pulled his shirt up? No, I wasn't around for that, actually. But Too much information, <laughs> period. Yeah, you see, I, I, you know, Liz, we knew you'd be the perfect person yeah. for this, but I, I was yeah. going the other way. I thought all the Atlanta house moms would be all excited about this. 
No, you know what? Okay, first of all, and there, believe it or not, there's a woman running for president, the audacity. I don't see Nikki Haley walking around in a thong. I mean, I just don't... I, listen, these <laughs> men are all very qualified, and I, I get it. It is the, the fit boy summer, and the brawn is there, but... <laughs> But the, the, if you're going for the female vote, I'm just wondering if this is hitting. Because uh, anecdotally, I don't anecdotally, hear a lot of women not. saying, have you seen RFK do a push-up? Here's a thought. Chris Christie without a shirt. Oh, boy. I think we want viewers to stick around. Come on. Come on. Don't scare, don't scare the viewers. George, Liz, good to see you both. Thank you. Uh, those of you who are still watching after that mental image, should struggling third graders be held back? Why making students who can't read repeat a grade is suddenly so controversial. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It wants to go. The all-new Hurricane helps you navigate any surface so you can go anywhere your heart desires. Redesigned from top to bottom, it truly stands alone. Now you can walk easier down whatever path you choose. Move forward with confidence at Hurricane.com. Also available at these fine retailers. The results speak for themselves. Uh, as you said, in each of the last three years, uh, Mississippi's 10-year growth numbers on reading has been number one in the nation. We're seeing what is, in fact, truly a Mississippi miracle, and it's because of conservative reforms. All right, that's Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves on the program back in May. When things work, uh, you'd think people would try to replicate them, but evidently it's pretty controversial what he was doing. There's a lot more states that say they will follow the Mississippi miracle and hold back third graders who can't read. But for some reason, it's controversial. First, the facts. In 2013, Mississippi ranked 49th in the states, 49th of states for fourth grade literacy. They were dead last, essentially, second to last. In 2022, they are 21st. The Wall Street Journal reports it might work but isn't universally popular. Supporters say the laws motivate students to work hard, while others say they are unfair. Tennessee, Michigan, and North Carolina are among at least 16 states that have tried in recent years to use reading tests and laws requiring students to repeat third grade to improve literacy. Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, and Nevada have all passed similar laws that will go into effect in the coming years. Dr. Daryl Henson is here, superintendent of schools at the Marlin Independent School District in Texas. You might remember he held some kids back from graduation. Now we're happy to report they have all passed uh, and graduated. Congratulations on that, sir. I'm wondering why Thank something as, as obvious as if you can't pass the test, you don't go from third grade to fourth grade is so controversial. And I don't understand either. We have to understand in a school system, it's all about accountability and support. If I was to ask you, if one thing was done correctly in elementary school that would make every student's life easier, we would all say reading. So we have to make sure that we're supporting not only fluency, but we're supporting phonics for all students in grades K through five. 
All right. So Mississippi schools holding third graders back 440,000 students, 4 percent held back for low reading scores, 10 percent for other for other reasons. So much has been made about the issue of reading. And Tate Reeves explained it as if you can't read when you get to fourth grade, you can't all of a sudden do your biology homework or your history homework. You can't learn algebra, all these things that are are required. Um, We've done a lot here on the teachers unions. Is that part of this or is it is it that politicians want better graduation rates? I'm, I'm trying to figure out why having third graders no reading would be controversial. Yeah, so I think accountability and support has to come from all. But there is a emotion when it comes to the decision to hold back the student. As you mentioned, you have to go from learning to read to reading to learn. For instance, all students can decode words. You can decode what the word empire means. But do you have the language acquisition to actually know what an empire is? So reading is a critical school, I mean, excuse me, a critical skill, because fluency rates lead to stronger brain functioning, self-confidence, and self-esteem. All right. Are you, are you seeing as education has become such an issue, uh, especially right now uh, in the 2024 presidential race and politics in general? Are, are you seeing as education is becoming more of an issue, more of a willingness to have accountability or less of a willingness? I think it all depends on your community. I can speak right now for Marlin, Texas. Last year, we had the highest student growth in the state of Texas, and we're a very large state out here because our community holds our faculty, our staff, and our students accountable. We have to ensure that we're not setting them up to be permanent second-class citizens. So when it comes to literacy and numeracy, our obligation is to turn their potential into performance. I like that, potential into performance. I guess you can't do that without accountability, uh, as you, as you yes, point sir. out, in anything, really, whether that's uh, in this business, in your business, uh, in business, in the military, whatever it is. Uh, it's good to see you, sir. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you throughout the school year, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Have a great one. You too. You as well. Hawaii's governor doubles down on blaming climate change for the carnage on Maui. Will the victims, the real victims, ever get the justice they deserve? Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Like, why would anybody worry about fixing the power lines? That was an an imperfect decision. But climate change is really the big problem, according to Hawaii's governor. You can see him earlier uh, this week, actually Sunday, trying to whitewash the massive human failures that led to the Maui fire disaster. As of Friday afternoon, seven lawsuits have been filed against Hawaiian electric utility, including two class action cases, another suit that is partly on behalf of someone killed In the fire, Jay Adelson's here, famed trial lawyer, the world's expert in suing power companies for starting wildfires. Look, to be fair, there's still people missing and we haven't buried all the all the dead. So there's there's a lot of folks who are still grieving and hurting right now. That said, are we at the point of incompetence or of actual negligence that that could have been willful? 
Well, I mean, we just tried a similar case in Portland. It ended in June, and the jury said that under very similar circumstances, Pacific Corp had acted recklessly and awarded punitive damages. In this case, I think the facts are even worse. Uh, Hawaiian Electric was using really very much outdated equipment. And one thing that's unbelievable, they didn't even have the plan in place to shut the power off. They knew hurricanes were coming, and they did nothing. They sat in their hands. And now we have a situation, as you suggest, Leland, that where we've got you know upwards of 1,000 people who uh, likely are dead. We've got uh, people are searching for loved ones. Being part of a wildfire, it, it's, it's a nightmare, um, especially if you're in Maui. You're stuck between flames and the ocean, and there's nowhere to go. And yeah, I think there, there has to be some accountability. I disagree with, with the governor. The idea this is just about climate change is, I think the legal term is hogwash. And, um, <laughs> and the utility company uh, is, is going gonna, is gonna to pay. And, um, and that's what we're here to do. You think about the utility company. Look, I understand as a lawyer, you go after the people who have the money and leave the politics to to others. But we're looking at this video of people running into the water uh, in Maui. It's something out of a literally out of a war zone. And I say that as somebody who's been in a lot of war zones, it's something you never really think you would see in, in America. And it's disturbing To that end, there's a second component to this, right, that Hawaiian Electric was very concerned and spent a lot of money on trying to meet the goals of uh, the climate change enthusiasts, right, who wanted uh, clean power and renewable power, and that takes money, money that could have been spent on fixing the power lines themselves. And in that sense, that may not be the electric company's fault. That may be one of these things that our government and our leaders are asking power companies to, to do too much effectively with too little. Is there any truth to that? Well, I mean, the idea that electric companies have only two shiny nickels and they can't come up with another dollar um, seems far-fetched to me. Th- this was the decision that they've made over decades, which was not to improve their infrastructure. And they've seen this play out in wildfire after wildfire. This is the fourth large wildfire case we've been involved in. It is ridiculous. And this isn't about just suing deep pockets. This is about trying to change something going forward. We are going to be here again in in a year talking about yet another utility company that dropped the ball unless we start actually focusing on why these utility companies aren't willing to do what they need to do Mm. and protect their citizens. Yeah, you make you make a great point that there are so many other places around the country that this is just waiting for. It was uh, in California, then in Oregon, now in Hawaii, that it, it will just go on. Jay, it's good to see you as always. Thank you. We appreciate the perspective. When we come back, President Trump's lawyers have just agreed to bail, $200,000 of bail for a former president. Why does a former president who has a Secret Service detail need to put money down to ensure that he's going to show up in court. Tackle that in a minute. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use, 
Community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. The it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> But it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, It's our roads. It's, It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Ma, is this how you feed a hamster? Uh, I think so. Is my homework right? Hmm, I think so. Is uh, this milk still good? Uh, I think so. When it comes to parenting, sometimes it's okay to think you know. But when it's something as important as your child's car seat, don't just think. No. Double check if your child is in the right seat for their age and size. It'll help protect them in a car crash. Don't just think. No. By visiting NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. We are the Veterans Health Administration, and our hands provide life-changing care to over 9 million veterans across more than 1,200 facilities nationwide. Join hands with us to make an impact in your community. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. You're listening to News Nation, America's fastest-growing cable news network, delivering fact-based, unbiased news from all sides. In a single moment, everything can change. When a player's sudden cardiac event brought a national football game to a halt, it shone a spotlight on the importance of CPR readiness. Now, with youth sports in full swing, the American Heart Association is rallying parents and coaches to be ready in an emergency. To be ready, learn hands-only CPR. It's a skill anyone can learn in minutes. Visit heart.org slash hands-only CPR and become a lifesaver today. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs. But it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, could potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. My daughter was diagnosed with a rare malignant rhabdoid tumor on the spine. They sent her straight to St. Jude. My hope was gone. But when you get there, everyone's like, hey, we're not going to give up. And when you see other people not giving up on your child, that makes all the difference in the world. 
When I found out I didn't have to pay, I was just grateful. They saved my baby's life. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Operators are busy. Call again or go to loveshriners.org to give right away. Your monthly gift helps us be superheroes too. When President Trump surrenders later this week in Georgia, he will have to post a $200,000 bond. But the fact that bond was set in the first place is curious. Of course, there's this whole movement not to have bond at all because it's racist. But the whole reason for bond is to make sure a defendant shows up to court. So it would appear the judge in Fulton County thinks Mr. Trump is going to take his entire Secret Service detail and slip away to Ecuador. Of course not. There is something else going on here. Why President Trump has bond and so many, so many defendants do not. We'll explain that tomorrow. 